I was praying and really seeking the Lord's face about where we would go today. There's much that I want to talk to you about. I want you to understand what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. And I want to help you to understand what I believe God is doing in this hour, what God is doing in this season. And, and beyond that, I want to give us some instruction. What should we be doing in the midst of what God is doing? And there's a passage of scripture I want to draw your attention to. It's in 2 Timothy. Interesting, this is my second week in 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy, as you know, the great leader Paul was admonishing and encouraging his protege, young Timothy. And I believe that he was setting him up and getting him ready for the de great destiny and the great future that was on his life. And I believe that but that's what God is doing with, with you. Those of you who are watching, I believe that, that God is, is setting you up so that everything that God has placed in you can come forth. Because that is success. Success is not how much money you make. It is not how many followers you have on social media. It is not how many people know your name. Success is about how well you can produce and manifest the thing that God created you for. In other words, success is about how well you can be you. Because when you can be you, you can be used. And God wants to use you. He created you to be a gift and a blessing to the times in which you were born into. And so, and so Paul is encouraging Timothy, but I believe that God is encouraging us with these words and found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 9. And that word reads this way. It says, you therefore must endure hardship. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, it says no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Oh, God. Wow. There's so much there. The word of God is not chained. I might be in trouble, but the word isn't in trouble. I, I might be confused, but the word is not confused. I, I might be struggling, but the word is not struggling. I might feel like I'm in a tight space, but the word is not in a tight space. The word, the word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God is not in chains, which means that the promises over my life are not in chains. Oh, I feel the spirit of God. That the promises over my life are not in jeopardy. The promises over my life, there is no threat against. Be because I am a word and, and I'm not governed by circumstance. I'm governed by the word that God has spoken concerning my life. And so even when the earth shakes, the word doesn't shake. Anybody grateful for the word of God? Oh, let everything around me shake, but there's a word of my life that cannot be shaken, that cannot be chained, that cannot be quarantined. 
the word, the word is not quarantined. My, my promise is not quarantined. My promise is active and alive and at work and it will produce what it is said. Father, I thank you for this word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and insight and knowledge and prophecy and power. And I thank you, God, that your word is going to go forth and it's going to enlighten, it's going to encourage, it's going to uplift, it's going to break some things. Your word literally is going to heal some people. Even now, as it is preached, it's going to bring healing. Your word is going to drive back darkness. Your word, your word, your word, I thank you. And so, God, while we have these moments together, Holy Spirit, have your way. And only the way that you can. We love you. We thank you right now that we're going to be better after this meal. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, well, listen, I want to get some of the pragmatic things out of the way. I want to get some of the practical things out of the way. Uh, and I want to explain what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And, and I know that, first of all, I, I much love and much respect to every leader in the body that has been faced and really forced to make some tough decisions as it relates to how we do church and how we do service. And my prayer goes out uh, to those churches, particularly those who um, may not necessarily be uh, as savvy um, as other churches being empowered by and through technology to keep things going to a certain degree, but, but I don't think they're any less powerful. And I want to pray for churches that um, may be a little bit behind in the area of technology and very let's pray for them because just because they're behind in technology doesn't mean that they're great that they're not great places of faith. And so I'm just in prayer for, for the body and, and, and we've had to make challenging decisions. Some people uh, decided to move forward again uh, with their normal worship, bringing in the masses of people again. Uh, and we decided not to do that for a number of reasons. I just want to explain this. I'm going to move out of the way, get more into the spiritual stuff. But one of the reasons why we decided not to do it, first and foremost, uh, the health and the safety of all those who come into our places as the pastor of this church, I feel a great deal of responsibility to make certain that I'm employing best practices, not just to feed you spiritually and not just to protect you spiritually and to bless you spiritually, but to protect you practically. And, uh, and then our governor, um, based on his um, recommendations from the CDC and, 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 and other uh, health officials, uh, requested that we would suspend, cancel, or postpone any gatherings of 250 or more. And the reason why he is doing that is not to be restrictive, but to protect his people as well, because we know that this virus cannot spread unless people come together. Literally, if people didn't come together, it would not spread anymore. That just is what it is. And so that is a practical solution. And sometimes we have to be careful because we can get so, we can misunderstand faith. Uh, you know, if you're taking notes, write this down. Hey, I've got a thought about faith. Faith is not the answer to a problem wisdom will solve. Faith is not the answer to a problem wisdom will solve. Sometimes you just have to use wisdom, right? And, and we thank God that we have the means to, to do service in a way that still reaches the masses of people while not compromising wisdom. And that's why we made the decision that we made. That's the last thing I'm going to say about that. The only other thing I'll add on to that is that we're praying about when to establish the gatherings, gatherings again. But again, the, your 
your uh, health and your wellness is a priority to us, and I just believe that if we have the means to still bring the word of God to you, to still put you, break you up into smaller groups, we're having watch parties right now, people are meeting in their homes, they're still having worship, they're still having church, they're taking communion, all those sort of things. If I can do that and keep you safe, I, think, I just think that I have a responsibility to do those things. So that's that. That's where, why we're doing That's what we're doing and why we're doing it. I want to get that out the way, and now let's move on. Amen. And hopefully this won't, this, well, we know it's temporary, but, but uh, as soon as we can come back and do the regular gatherings, we will. But for now, enjoy your families. Stay home. Wash your hands. Drink your water. Mind your business, as my wife would say. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but we're going to do it this way, and I believe it's going to be just as, if not even more powerful. And thank you so much for your patience and trusting uh, our leadership to continue to bring you the word of God in a way that is not only compliant with law, but, but compliant with the scientific principles of health. Amen? All right, moving on, moving on. So what do I think, what do I believe that God is doing in this season? You know, there is an unpopular message that I preach, that I've preached several times and over and over again. If you're exposed to our ministry uh, in any way, you've heard me preach this message. Uh, it, it, I, I, will, it, I have either quoted Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, where it talks about everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. I've, I've been talking about shakings. In fact, this year, I call this year the year of revealing where God was going to begin to reveal his sons and his daughters and, and who they are. Are. And I believe that the moment that we're in right now, as tragic and as painful and as nerve-wracking as it is, is producing that shaking that I was talking about. It is producing the best of us. You know, I, I've been watching what's happening in the church, and, and this church, this, the, the, this shaking is doing some things. It's creating shifts in key areas in the church. One of the areas that, that this shaking, this, this, this pandemic um, is, is, is changing is our perspective. We, we're seeing things differently now. Isn't it interesting how we can have our eyes open but oftentimes be blind to the things that matter? You know, in many cases, we were seeing, actually, in many cases, we're seeing for the very first time. We, we drive past people and don't see them because we're so preoccupied in our rhythm. We don't even see the knees that are around us oftentimes because our perspective is, is, is blinded by sometimes even our success. And so one of the things that I'm seeing shifting, and in particularly even in the church, is I'm seeing people's perspective change. What's important, what, not is, what is not important? Shifts in perspective and also shifts in prioritization. We're getting to, watch this, we're getting to experience what is truly important. I see people spending time with their families. I see preachers and ministers getting back to the heart of what this thing is about, getting back to faith and getting back to trusting in God and getting back to, to taking God at his word. No one really cares about how many cars you have right now. No one even really cares about how many social media follows. So, so we're seeing this shift in perspective. We're seeing these, seeing these shifts in prioritization. And here's one that's pretty cool. You know, oftentimes our elderly are overlooked. We don't think about our elderly, and sometimes even our kids are overlooked, but especially the elderly. And isn't it interesting now that our, our attention is being drawn towards considering some of the most overlooked demographics in the world? 
God is in this. It's not fun. I'm not saying that God creates virus, but I do know that God is in this because it is ultimately going to produce the best out of us. I'm seeing a lean, fluffless church emerge. All the fluff out of church, all the, the elitism, all the exclusivity, all the sort of things that make church unlike what church is supposed to be, all that stuff is dying right now. People want to know they're safe. People want to know what God says. People want to understand the word. People want to love each other. People want to be creative. So, so I'm seeing in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the frustration, I'm seeing something being formed. And something being developed, which, quite frankly, I don't know we, if we could have gotten to without this level of shaking. We, we, we're being forced out of stagnation and into new dimensions of creativity and innovation. It's incredible what's going to come out of this, what, what we're going to, the ideas that, that we're going to come up with and, and the ways to touch people and the ways to reach people. So it's difficult. I know some people are suffering. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I see the hand of God at work in the midst of it all. And so, so from, from this place of pain and, and this place of pressure, there's going to be an emergence of a world-shaking Spirit and synergy that's going to create lasting change. I don't think we're going to go back to what we used to be. I think that, I think that this thing is going to go from glory to glory. You know, it's funny. You know, we pray for revival, and I think that you should pray for revival and pray for awakening. But you know what revival looks like in the beginning? Like this. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves... And pray and seek my face and turn from their ways. I'm going to hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There are some things, watch this. Humility is a difficult thing. If I might digress just for a moment. Humility is a difficult thing. Everybody says, I'm humble, I'm humble. Just saying I'm humble means you ain't humble. Be because people who are truly humble realize that they can't really humble themselves. That there are certain levels of humility and lowliness that are required to produce and manifest the great gift of God that's on the inside of you that necessitate outward pressure. So there's a humility coming to us. And, and so, listen, I, I, when you pray for revival, just know that what you're praying for is a shaking because we, we won't revive ourselves. I don't care how, how much we fast and how much we pray and all those things are wonderful. Sometimes we need the world around us to shift and to change, to put us in a position to where we actually need God. And when God is no longer an option, when God is your priority, when God is someone you are desperate for, that you have to have, something takes place. Your hunger pulls out the miraculous of God. And I believe that we're moving into a time and we're moving into a season where we're getting ready to see the miraculous of God. I know it sounds crazy. I know it's difficult, but I'm telling you this season is the season you've been waiting for. There's power and strength and truth that's getting ready to come out of you unlike anything you've ever seen before. Because when you back the church up in a corner, the real church will stand up and we will drive back darkness and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not afraid of the shaking. 
We know deep down within ourselves we need the shaking because the shaking brings an awakening and we need an awakening. We need an awakening. It don't feel good, but it's good. And so, so what is our instruction in the middle of it all, right? What do we need to keep in mind? A couple of things. The first thing that we must keep in mind in order to navigate this season is that it will end. It will end. I love that passage because it says in verse 3, it says, you therefore, Timothy, must endure hardship. And I was thinking about, wow, you know, the translator used that word endure, and I like it because the, the language endure suggests that we're talking about a temporary thing. <laughs> endure suggests that you are greater than it. Are, are, are you tracking with me? See, see, everybody's freaked out about the pandemic. I'm studying about how pandemics end. Be because I know it's not going to last. And I know it's not bigger than me. Because my word says greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And this too will pass. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. God is not shocked and God is not alarmed by trouble and difficulty. This thing is going to pass. And so we have to have an in mentality. We've got to see past it. What, 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 who am I going to be when I come through this? I may not like the fact that I have to go through it, but who's going to show up on the other side of this trouble? Who am I going to be? And I believe that you're going to be powerful. I believe that you're going to be mighty. I believe that you're going to be full of faith. I believe you're going to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I believe you're going to shake nations. I believe that you're going to be a version of yourself that you couldn't have gotten to without the trouble. Wherever you are, if that's you, say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I'm coming out of this thing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Bring it on. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of this thing. I'm going through this thing. Because my God will never leave me nor forsake me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. See, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death when God is with me. Isaiah 41 says, fear not. Then he says, here's why. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand, says the Lord. And so we have to keep this in mind. It's going to end. Endure. Endure the hardship. You don't endure something that's bigger than you. You, you don't endure something that's greater than you. Watch this. You don't endure something that will outlast you. Him using the language endure sets the rules. And it sets as a foundation that you are greater than what you face. 
endure, endure. And then we're talking about what are our instructions? What do we need to keep in mind? What are our instructions? One is know that it will end. Two is you and I are going to have to untangle ourselves. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? So we go back to the text. It says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as as a soldier. No one engaged in warfare. I love that because it basically says straight out that you're in warfare. So there's no, are we in a war? Uh, is it a time of war? Are we at war? Is the war off? Is the war off? Not straight out. I'm going to tell you right now, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, life is war. It is warfare, right? Now, you can have peace in the middle of it, and you got victory and all that kind of stuff, but the reality of it is, it is warfare. It is life is a competition. It is warfare. Are you tracking with me? It is war. It's always going to be war. It's a war over your thoughts. It's a war over your heart. It's a war, good versus evil. It is a war. It's a war. And you've got to navigate it. So, but it says, it says that, that no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now, let's look up some of those words real quick. That word entangle literally means to intertwine or braid, to intertwine, intertwine or braid. So when you think about braiding something, you have all these different strains that are entwined together, right? So entangles mean to, inter- to be intertwined. And then it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this world. And the affairs literally means the present state of existence. The present state of existence. So, so, so the way that we navigate this is we do not allow ourselves to get entangled with the present state of existence. Now, we preached the other day, be present in the present moment, right? We have to be present. We acknowledge the present moment that we're in, but we're not ensnared by the present circumstances or situation because we are living for an expected end. So I am in it, but I am not of it. I am in the moment, but I also recognize that there's a greater moment coming. I'm not living for the moment that I'm in. I'm living for the moment that I've been promised. So, so, so what that looks like practically is, is you can't be watching CNN all day, every day. I love CNN. Get your dose. You know, let's just go practical just for a second. You might have to put an alarm clock on and say, you know what? In the morning, I'm going to pray. Because I'm going to get the Lord's report before I get anybody's report. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about navigating this season. I'm going I'm to go ahead and pray, right? Then I'm going to go to whatever news source I go to, and I'm going I'm to check it out and see the highlights or whatever, see if any of that stuff applies to me specifically now, and then I'm going to move on. Because if I don't move on, I'm going to find myself entangled. All these different threads of information and threads of energy and threads of perspective and this person is saying that and that person is saying this and this is how they feel over here and these people over here are all afraid. And the next thing you know, watch this, I lose myself because I am no longer one constant 
thread of faith, I am multiple threads of other people's perspectives. Are you tracking with me? So, so no one, no one, no one, it says, no one engaged in warfare, it entangles himself. Man, let me, there's so much to tangle you. And, and I think that if the church isn't careful, we're going to be so consumed with information that is not revelation, that we're going to be entangled so much so that we can't be who God has created us to be. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, understand, first of all, it's going to end, and then you have got to untangle yourself because God needs you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Are you tracking with me? And then it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So I love that word please is not like please make you happy. It literally means to be agreeable with or to be in alignment. So I want to be in alignment with the one who enlisted me in the first place. I can't be in alignment with the God who called me. And guess what? He called me knowing that I would be alive and in this world in this season. I feel the Holy Ghost. That means that that if he knew me before he put me in my mother's womb and he chose me to be birthed and born in this time and this season, he knew that I would have to show up in the midst of a, a time where a lot of people are afraid, which means that there is an anointed, aligned version of me in this season, but I cannot even perceive who that person is supposed to be and how that person is supposed to function if I am entangled with the affairs of this life. I understand that this moment is passing, so I cannot bring all of my eternal self to this temporary moment. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You are eternal. You're not a passing fancy. You're more than this moment. You're more than the years you've been alive. There's still more to you. You're more than what you think. So you cannot be entangled in this present moment, in these current affairs, because there's a bigger calling on your life. There's a bigger purpose on your life. You're greater than this moment, and God knew that you would be in this moment, and he's equipped you for this moment, and you're going to get past this moment, and I believe that you're going to bring people past this moment too as you keep from being entangled. Are we tracking together? It keeps you in alignment when the world is unstable all around you. So uh, let's dig into this text a little further. So it says, endure hardship. Don't be entangled with the affairs of this life. It says in verse 5, and also anyone who competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. As he competes according to the rules. He goes on to say, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. But what got me was, why is he talking about rules? And also, anyone who competes, so he's saying that, that you're, you're in a war, you're in a battle, you're, you're in a competition, you're after something, you're outrunning something, and you're running towards something at all times. You're outrunning the lesser version of yourself. You're outrunning the gravitational pull towards mediocrity. You're outrunning that 
while you're also running towards something. Hebrews 12, right? Right. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run our race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So life is a race. Life is a competition. Life is something to be run. I have to overcome my weakness and I have to become who God has called me to be because there is a destination. I am after something and that's why I must grow. That's why I must evolve. That's why I must change. That's why I must be transformed because I'm after something. If I live life and I never change, if I run my race and I never become, if the yoke never breaks off of my life, then I miss what life is about because life is running out of my chains and into my future. That's what life is about, right? But this passage says, it would suggest that there are rules. The kingdom has rules. I, I can't play the game of life any old kind of way. Be, be, because because in, in any competition, in any game, in any kingdom, there are rules. There are laws. So I started thinking to myself, I wonder what rules, laws, we should consider as we're running our race in the kingdom. I wonder what, what are the rules of the kingdom? <laughs> what, what are the rules of this race that God has placed us on? What are the rules of the gospel? And I have a few thoughts, and then we'll be done for a minute. About five or six hours left, people, and I'll let you go. No, kidding. Rule number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. No matter what, we win. Rule of the game for the people of God right now. No, no matter what, we win. Why? Because Jesus conquered it all. He, see, see, we hear this stuff, but it takes moments like this that manifest that we believe this stuff. Hello, somebody. Jesus, you've got to understand what Jesus did. Jesus becomes, he becomes everything that stands against us. He becomes everything that keeps us from being like God. Jesus becomes it. God made him who had no sin, sin literally means limitation, weakness, right? He becomes all of that, then kills it on the cross, and then to prove that he had power over all those things, he's raised from the dead, victorious, he is seen of people, and then he says, I give that same power that raised me from the dead to you. So here is the number one ground rule, no matter what, we win, period. Number two, rule number two, as I'm thinking this through, is your faith keeps you in the game. Your faith keeps you in the game. The moment, this is why faith is always under attack. This is why doubt is always present. This is why fear is always around. Because if I can get you to doubt, I can disqualify you from the race. Doubt and fear is a disqualification. These things will, if you live in it, these things will disqualify you from the race. The just shall live by faith. I talked about that before. The just shall live by faith. That's rule number two. I have to keep my faith. 
We talked about it last week. You got to protect your faith. You got to be in environments that stir your faith. You got to be around people that talk faith. Maybe in this quote unquote social distancing, maybe the only thing that will be distanced from your life are people who don't have faith. Since I got to be selective about who is around me, then let me pick and choose some people who have faith so they can stir my faith. My baby can leave. Your baby can leave. And maybe we can drive back sickness in Jesus' name. And so, number two, your faith is what keeps you in the game. Number three, faith without action isn't faith. How do you know if you have faith? Your movement determines whether or not you have faith. James said, I can show you, you say, James says, you say you got faith and I have worked. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, your faith should introduce you because of what you do, how you operate and how you function. Are you tracking with me? And so I was looking at that passage when it was talking about the farmer, right? If we go back to it, it says in verse six, after it talks about how uh, the the, the individual isn't crowned unless they compete according to the rules. It says the hardworking farmer must first be, must, must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. I'm like, well, let me consider what he's saying. Pray to the Lord, give me understanding in all things. And basically what he's saying is, watch this, the farmer has to eat what they have been cultivating. I make it plain. The farmer has to eat what they have been cultivating. In other words, there's some of you, and you have been serving in church. There's some of you, and you have been receiving the word in church. You've been stirring. You've been storing up word. There's some of you right now, you're rich in word, but not rich in works. And, and, and we think that, that faith and these words that God continues to give to us are just little novelties, and we just think that it's just, oh, it's, I'm just to be inspired. No, no, no. God's been storing you up. If you've got notes and notes and notes in your journal, those notes are not just so that you can tweet and seem cool and wise and spiritual. Hello, somebody. You got to partake of what you have been cultivating. God hasn't put all that word in you for nothing. It is time. It is time. For you to put to, I feel God, it is time for you to put to action those things that God has spoken to you. Because faith without action is not faith. I don't know what it is. James put it this way, faith without works is dead. So this is the only time in your life where you're actually supposed to get high off your own supply. Now don't take that literally. Some of you just say, oh, well, he, the pastor, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. You to turn your supply in. Amen. And, and some of you don't be going. And, and, and while I'm on it, the way to get through this season is not to get high off your own supply. Let me move on. That's not what I meant. I'm talking about what God has been exposing you to. See, if you're under the sound of my voice, if you're part of this ministry, if you're part of any great ministry, then God has been feeding you. God has been getting you ready. God will never put you in a situation that he has not pre-qualified you to prevail in. He will never put you in a situation, he will never put you in a season that he has not pre-qualified you to prevail in. Are you tracking with me? 
And then the last thing is really more of an encouragement. And then we're going to pray in just a second. The rules of the game are one, no matter what you win. Two, your faith is what keeps you in the game. Three, faith without action isn't faith. And four, and you got to understand this, and we alluded to it earlier, but it's so true. The word had the first and will have the final say. The word is alpha and it is omega. And I looked at, I looked at, I looked at that, that, that last verse there, verse 9 back in the Timothy text, and it says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. The word of God can't be chained. The word of God cannot be bound. No matter who or what tries to, to silence the word, the word is just going forth. Like the season that we're in. I'm just about done. Like the season that, that we're in. I think there's going to be more word in the universe this weekend. More, just to, to put it into practical terms, more kingdom impressions today than in the history of the world. More kingdom impressions. More kingdom videos more kingdom podcasts, the, the potency of messages this weekend, the, the marrying of ministry and technology and creativity and production and artistry this weekend, I believe that maybe the enemy was trying to shut us down, but all he did was stir us up. The word cannot be bound. It's going to break out. And not just bound by outside forces, but sometimes the word, even the word of who we are, can't be bound by us. I'm landing with this thought. We oftentimes reluctantly become who God has called us to be. Let me end it right here. Oftentimes we're reluctant. We, we won't take the steps of faith. We won't bring that thing that's keeping us from character and integrity before the Lord. We won't keep that burden. We won't put that burden, that bondage before the Lord because, you know, we're, we're actually okay with it. God might not be cool with it, but we are. And we might, there might be a, a sense of ease with it in ourselves because it's been hidden for a long time or, or, you know, sometimes because the Lord is slow to deal with something, we think that he will never deal with it. So we mistake the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God for the affirmation of God. Wow. And, and, and sometimes what happens in seasons like this is what you fail to realize is that the word over you is bigger than you. It's, it's even bigger than your desire to stay the same. It, it, is, it, is, it, it is like pregnancy. And no matter how comfortable the baby gets in the womb, no matter how comfortable the baby gets there, and how much the baby may desire to be there, there's going to come a time where life will force that baby out. And maybe that's why they come out crying, I wanted to be in there! And God says, but I needed you to be out there because I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I believe there's a word in each and every one of you. There's a word in you that cannot be bound. There's a word in you 
In fact, it is the word of you that's breaking out in this season. I believe with all of my heart that this is not to kill you, it is to reveal you. I believe with all of my heart that this is not to steal from you. It is designed to manifest you, to cause you to break forth because you are more than what you think. That's why this is happening. That's why trouble comes. It's not going to last. It will end. And I believe that when this storm passes, who you will be, who I will be, who the church will be, who the world will be, will be something so absolutely incredible, so absolutely amazing that you will look back and you will say, I thank you for that dark season. I want to pray for you. I feel the spirit of the living God so strongly. I want to pray for you. I love you. We're going to keep bringing this word to you. We're going to keep it rolling Thursday and, and Sunday. And we'll, we'll come into your house. We'll come into your car. We'll, we'll come into your iPad. We're coming to you. We will not. We are relentless. We're coming to you. We got you. We're praying for you. You belong to God. And we're for you, not against you. And God is calling you. And I feel this. And I want to pray for you. Because I believe that God is calling. He's calling. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying, come unto me. Untangle yourself. Get off the news. Get just a little bit and then get off it. Trust me. Ask God in this season, who are you calling me to be? I know I'm bigger than this moment. You wouldn't tell me to endure it if I wasn't bigger than it. Who do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to serve? Now is the time to double down on your faith. To double down on your faith. To double down on touching people. To double down in your prayer life. To double down in meditating on the word. Meditating in the things that God has spoken to you in the journal. Because everything is now. All of creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons daughters of God of which you are you're priceless you're special you matter and your life is designed to make a difference even in difficult times so I want to pray for you if you're watching this and you have never opened up your heart to the Lord I am not inviting you to religion I'm inviting you to Jesus Jesus says I am the way I am the truth. I love that. Jesus was not being arrogant when he said that. I am the truth. You know, sometimes, you know, religious people, we can get kind of funny with our, I am the truth. We, try, we put that like as a badge. I'm the truth. Man. You know I'm the truth. No, Jesus is the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way. You're trying to figure out where to go, right? I'm the path. He says, Jesus, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. I'm the way. I'm the path. I'm the truth, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm, this is the way I do life, it's how you're supposed to do life. No one goes to the Father but by me. Follow me, not man. Follow me. I will reveal myself to you. And Jesus is beautiful. Never mind how, how some may have depicted him. Because that's why, you know, people, man depicts Jesus. They try to cause Jesus to look like them. That's why, why you go to Europe, Jesus is, is, has light skin. If you go to Africa, Jesus has dark skin. If you go to Asia, Jesus has Asian features. 
Because everybody's trying to make Jesus like them when the reality of it is we need to be like Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Because Jesus is irresistible. There is nothing, there's nothing that you wouldn't love about Jesus. He's faithful. Jesus is loyal. Jesus is loving. He is understanding. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So if you're watching this and you have never opened up your heart to Jesus, and you can write there, right there, even in the comments there, say, I'm opening up my heart to the Lord. And he says, I'll come in. I'll come in. He says, you don't have to find me. I'll find you. I will come in. And what I'll bring with me is peace. Oh, God. The first dimension of peace I will bring to you is an understanding that I've got you. You don't have to worry about dying. The fear of death. So many people are afraid of death. They don't know what to expect. They're afraid of death, right? That's why they live, because they, 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 don't, they, they don't know what's after this. Jesus takes that away. Oh, no, I got you. I'll be with you always. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Even when I transition, even when I die, I don't die. I transition. So he's going to bring that peace. He's going to bring power to your life. He's going to bring wisdom to your life, insight, knowledge, understanding. And I'm going to talk about it next week about wisdom. We're in a time where we need wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? And how do you get wisdom? We're going to get into that. But Jesus brings that. There's a passage that says that Jesus became wisdom for you and I. So if you've never opened up your heart to the Lord Jesus, how do you do it? It's simple. If he's knocking, see what he does is he knocks on the door of our hearts. He knocks. And he says, if anyone hears me knocking, some of you right now, you can feel something in your chest. That's him knocking. He says, all you got to do is open up and say yes to me. He says, and I will come in. I'll do the work. All you got to do is yield. All you got to do is surrender. He says, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. I have an exchange with you and you with me. It's real. Everybody who knows God had that moment where the Lord became real. And I don't want to deprive you of this moment. So if that's you, just connect. Just receive it. Just receive it. And send us something in the comments, in the notes. We've got our prayer leaders right now, our prayer specialists. We're live ready to engage, ready to pray for you, ready to help you, ready to answer some questions for you. We got you covered. We love you. And now I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for the church. This is your hour. This is your moment. And untangle yourself. Untangle yourself. Get free. We got work to do. This is a time, I didn't talk much about it, but of great creativity and great innovation. Business people, I'm telling you, God is getting ready to use you. Remember when I said at the beginning of this year, coming in prophetically before any of this happened, I said, you're going to go from unknown to can't be missed. That's what's going to happen in this season. God is giving out witty ideas. There are inventions that God wants to manifest right here in this season, right now, to cause you to be the head and not the tail. He's going to do all these things. So I'm praying for you. This is your moment. Don't get caught up in the wave of fear like so many people are doing in this season. Don't do that. This is your moment. This is your time. Once you shake fear off, creativity and innovation can come to you and it's gonna set you apart. So I wanna pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It is that which orders our steps and we love you. God, I thank you for every word you spoke today. Truth. 
wisdom, insight, revelation. And I pray, God, that we would never be the same again. Teach us your ways. Show us how to walk and navigate this season and be the lights of the earth and the salt of the world that you've called us to be. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to turn mourning into dancing. You're going to turn weeping into joy. And I thank you that you're going to cause us to be all that you've created us to be. Now I want you to repeat after me no matter where you are. If you're at home, you're in your car, wherever, you're watching this on television, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I receive it. I thank you for your promises. I embrace them. I walk in them. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for making him who had no sin all of mine, all of my weakness, all of my shortcomings, all of my fear, all of my anxiety, you place in his body, nailed it to the cross, and once and for all, put it to death. God, I thank you that greater are you who is in me than that which is in the world. I love you. Now, God, increase my faith. Build me up so that I can be everything that you called me to be. Holy Spirit, fill my life to the overflow. I'm not going back. I will not shrink. I'm stepping into who you created me to be in this time unlike ever before. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you didn't give, give, pray. Let's keep this going. Spread the word. We're going to do this all day. God bless you.